Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Well, hello, everybody. Wherever you are on this fine day, welcome in. I have a special guest. Okay, they're all special. Let's not try to be like, this one's better than this one, da 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 down the road. But Brad Walsh is just one of those people that gravitated into my life, and I was like, I'm so ready for this man and this conversation. He's not only the host of the Empowerography podcast, but it is a show and a collective movement dedicated to amplifying the voices of women all over the world. So when that is basically a guy's business card, how could you just not fall in love with him immediately, right? <laughs> Welcome to the show, Brad. Welcome to the show. <laughs> and you, you crack me up. It's always, always, always a pleasure to connect and, and have time to chat with you. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. I'm honored to be here. And thank you for bringing me into your space to share a little bit about who I am and the work I'm doing. And like I said, it's always a good excuse to sit down and chat with you, so... I always enjoy our conversations. I appreciate that so much. Like I told you before we hit record, I woke up today and I was like, it's Brad Day. <laughs> and I know as soon as we get on here, I'm going to be like, oh, how are you? Like, I'll just go over the shit out of you. But your vibes are just as good as mine shooting through Zoom. So I'm here for it. Love it. Yes, me too. I love it. I love your energy and your vibe as well. That's why we click so well. It's very true. And I'm pretty sure both of our favorite word is the F word. Yes, I would yes. have to agree that fuck is our favorite word. Yes. <laughs> we both use it quite frequently. Yes. I think I think the next time we chat, or maybe even this time when we're chatting, we should we should try and keep a tally of the amount of times we say the word fuck. <laughs> okay, well you have two. I said F word. Here we go. So I'm gonna say fuck really quick to get my name on the board. And Cheyenne one, Brad two. So, Cheyenne versus Brad. Cheyenne versus Brad. Who can say fuck more? Woo, two, yeah. two. Okay. Yeah. So, um, besides all the amazing work that you're doing, um, and because I love you, uh, the reason I want my people that listen to you to meet you is because I don't run into men often where their purpose in life is to elevate so many women on a platform. And... I mean, it just blows my mind even saying it, and I'm so glad we're friends because I know the work you're continuously doing and you have coming on down the future, <coughs> TED Talks. So <laughs> um, to be able to talk so closely and even have such access to you um, means the world to me because it, it makes me feel like I'm also doing the right thing on my journey. I know in content creation you can feel a little lonely even though you do spend yeah. your time on calls and talking to people. It's still like... You have this really big dream and this really big mission, and it's it's good. It's good for humanity. It's good for everybody. There's nothing bad about it. But still, do you have days where you feel like you go a little cuckoo in the content creation or like, oh, my gosh, why am I dreaming so big today? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's always days where it's like, oh, fuck, i got to continue to create content. i got to put it out. But I think we have to remember that, you don't have to keep doing it every day. You've got to give yourself a break. You've got to give yourself time to refuel and recharge. So 
it's staying in that mindset and realizing that no, you don't have to do it every day. You don't because you burn you burn yourself out, and then what good are you to? I mean, you know, Cheyenne, you have an audience, you have people who are part of your community. What good are you to your community if you're burnt out and you can't show up? So you got to give yourself space and grace around that and remember that, no, it doesn't have to be created every day. Although you feel like it, just remember to give yourself grace and space around that, that it's not necessarily the case. I struggle with that too. And uh-huh. I'm, I'm also, I've really given it up to the Facebook beta business area where on the days where I know I'm, you can feel the creativity just going out of you. You don't want to miss these thoughts. You really want to write this down. Um, I've really been able to plan calendars and dates ahead of time as far as I could with that powerful, truthful creative energy and not the desperate, oh my gosh, I have to post something. And that has helped me a lot with not feeling like I'm chained to my computer sometimes. Like, oh goodness, I don't want the algorithm to kick me out because I'm going to go live (laughs) on planet Earth today. You know, I have those. And then obviously like flipping through all the social medias at once, making sure hashtags post. I mean, I joked the other day that content creation is the new rat race. And there's so many people. Yeah. In the beginning, it was like, oh, my life's so free. I can create content whenever I want and then make my YouTube money and go spend it wherever I want. And now I'm like, I'm literally on my computer all the time because I have constant stuff coming out of me. And like you, I know the, you also, like you're an international best-selling author, number one, Mm -hmm. not to mention. So you also have all of these other projects going on besides this amazing project. So I can imagine just like that. It's like, what do I want to be when I wake up today? Am I going to be a best-selling author? Am I going to be an award-winning podcast host? Am I going to be a motivational speaker? Am I just going to stare out the window and just be Brad? <laughs> which, yeah, which hat am I going to put on? This morning, it, I, you know, sometimes I'll come downstairs in my office and my office is in the basement of my house and I'll come down and like, I'm sitting here staring at my computer screen it's like okay what the fuck am i going to do today what do i have to do today and today is one of those days i'm thinking okay i know i have my my chat with cheyenne today but what am i going to do in terms of content like i find myself lost sometimes Mm -hmm. on what to do and where to where to start right so this morning what did i do i started out by posting my my latest episode for the podcast and then my mind starts running. It's like, okay, what else can I do? I know that I have to do this, this, this. I have to work on the talk. I have to work on, as I was recently gift um, brought into a collaborative book, so i got to write my chapters due at the end of this month. So I'm thinking, okay, do I work on my talk? Should I work on the chapter? Should I work on this? Should I work on that? And then I'm, 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 I get scattered. Mm-hmm. So I started working on my podcasting media kit. Because someone asked me for a podcast, I don't have one, but I've got to create one. So I started working on that. Then my mind's like, okay, Brad, you got to write the chapter. So then I jump over there and start writing the chapter. So I literally just began writing my chapter for this book that I'm part of. um, It's going to be released in November. So I have to, I'm all over the place. So so I have those days where it's like, I don't know what the fuck to do. So I'm just going to dabble in a bit of everything. And which is not good because you should stay focused on one thing at a time because I always preach 
to people, don't look at the whole staircase, take it one step at a time. Otherwise you're going to get incredibly overwhelmed. And here I am in my state of overwhelm <laughs> before I jumped on this call with you. So I do the same thing. <laughs> See, another reason why we get along so well. <laughs> yes. Like I, these things will drive me absolutely mad. They will feed into my imposter syndrome almost. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm writing a chapter and I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something else, but yeah. like, and I, and I'm do like, I'm supposed to write this, right? Like I yeah. don't have a deadline at the end of this month. I gave myself like six months on this book just to get like yeah. a rough draft out and figure out how the chapters are going to go. Like if I could do that in six months, props to shy. That's all I think. But as I'm sitting here writing the chapters, I'm like you, I have these side windows on my mind and they're like, don't forget you have to do this. Don't forget you have to do this. And yeah. you know, with writing, you really have to go into that trains like flow state where you're almost submersed in the war in the world that you're creating in your mind. Mine I'm not a really big fan of because I have to submerse myself back into darker parts of my past that I ran far away from. And now I'm like, oh, my bad, guys. I'm going to come back and grab you. Come on in. Open arms. (laughs) They're not as happy to see me as I am to see them. Um, But, like, going and writing about it, I'm like, okay, well, that was kind of sad. Maybe I'll go sit down and do this for a minute and this for a minute. But I still have those same thoughts in my mind where as I'm doing the to-do list that I'm supposed to be doing, I'm like, am I doing enough? Did I do enough today? This whole working for yourself thing is a big mental trip. You know, I've done the schedules where you're like, okay, from this hour to this hour, I'm going to do this, 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 this. And sometimes that works. Does that work for you if you actually like did a set schedule like that? I've never, ever done that. And I've had a few of my friends tell me, Brad, you need to schedule out time on your calendar. Also, something that's very important that, that my friends have shared with me is having white space in your calendar. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm again, I'm like you where I'll be sitting here, as I said, staring blankly at my computer. What the fuck am I going to do? And then I start beating myself up for not getting anything done because mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here doing nothing. I should be doing something. So then after I get past that hurdle, I start doing something, as I said, then I go over here and do something else. So, I've never tried scheduling out specific tasks and maybe that's what I should do. <laughs> yeah. I found if I get like super monkey brain like that too, um, like I have to talk to myself like I'm, I own myself, like I'm yeah. my own child basically. And I'm like, okay, shy. You're trying to do five things at once. You're really not doing it. So I'm going to just walk away for five minutes and go sit down and breathe. And like, I yeah. really have to like go recenter myself. And I'm like, what is the most important thing today? You know, I'll, I'll try to like prioritize them the best they can because certain things do have deadlines and other things. It's yeah. like, oh, I feel creative enough to work on this project a little more, which would definitely be the writing aspect for me. But I, yeah. I'll like get myself out of my work area. I'll take a little lap around the house, maybe light some sage and say some pretty things to myself. <laughs> and then I'll go, this is not a joke. These are tips and tricks. No, I believe you. Does it work for you, though? Oh, yeah, it does tremendously. Because yeah. I know okay. um, I know it literally all starts with, like, the way that I'm talking to myself throughout yeah. all of it. So I remembered being in, like, um, older job positions where I was, like, the, like, lower man on the totem pole. And I always had these managers that wanted me to get, like, 10 tasks done. 
Um, and yeah. I'm really good at multitasking. They'll organize in my brain really quick and it'll be like one to five, how do these correlate and get together where we can basically maximize our time and consolidate all of our efforts, right? Yeah. And I always remembered the manager would have a picture in their mind of what, how they wanted me to do the task and I have, based on, my, ma based on my maximum performance effort, and how yeah. my puzzle pieces link together with the mm -hmm. shit that you just gave me. Um, I see that I'm going to do it like this really fast. And yeah. I just remember trying to get through the task and the manager would always be in the way and derogatory in a sense or condescending or, oh, you should do it like this. Da, 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 da. So the inner critic in my head is a manifestation of every manager that did not know how to support me. That's the voice in my head that I actually yeah. have to battle throughout this. But it's also a piece of me, so I can't sit here and demonize the inner critic just like I can't demonize the ego. Because if so, you're just yeah. going to be sitting here fighting yourself and you'll probably end up yeah. with an autoimmune disease. So I don't really want to <laughs> exactly. do that either. So I really have to sit there and I'll put like all the versions of myself out in front of myself. You know, like those funny YouTube videos where they categorize like all the emotions in their brain yeah. basically. I just do like all of myself, which if there's an inner child one that wants to talk today, future self is always here leading. And I just have all these pieces of myself and I'm like, I hear you, I hear your voice. The inner critic, it's it's stifling, it freezes me. I can't do anything. So I'm just gonna yeah. need you to go away. Like grab bowl M&Ms, go to the green room, bye. And I'll filter <laughs> through all of these voices that are not the tasks that I ultimately want to get done. So you know you have those yeah. like lazy days where you're like, I should be doing all these other things, but I'm actually yes. going to decide to be lazy. And as you're being lazy, all you can think about is, I really want to be doing all those other things, but I'm not doing <laughs> yeah. motivated today. So it just sits there and does that. Same freaking feeling when I'm actually in the process of trying to do it. So I have to take the time to kick those voices out. And just like I have my Mary Poppins bag of tricks when I meet people and run into everybody, I have my own bag of tricks for myself. Which is great. Yeah, you and need ultimately them, right? I learned all of those because I was like, wouldn't it be great if you could heal yourself? Not like to kick out human connection, but not feel like you have to outsource it over and over and over. And because yeah. of a lot of the things I've studied the last four years, I'm like, I don't even think I would be here today if I wasn't capable of talking to myself this way and capable of doing it. Because if you know that inner critic's there or any of those weird bad thoughts, you're not going to be able to do anything if you're talking yeah. shit to yourself and believing those negative words that come up. You like, yeah. you have to grab it. Like there's a lady who was like, picture a Rolodex in your mind. And mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, like spinning it in my mind, right? And she's yeah. like, then a piece of paper comes off and it's a thought that you don't believe in, you know, like yeah. you're not good enough. She's like, grab the paper from the Rolodex, rip it up and go, you don't belong here. She's like, visualize yeah. it and do it. She's like, there's plenty of other visualizations. And I like that, that one, was the one that really stuck out to me. Like, I like that. Because I was like, well, nobody has a Rolodex anymore. That's kind of cool. I have one now. I'm vintage. <laughs> up here. I'm vintage up here. There you um, go. <laughs> but it's also like theatrical for me. And as you can tell, I kind of like it being theatrical yes. if I'm going to do it. But yes, talking to yourself, positive affirmations. And like, as cheesy as it sounds, being your own best friend. Because when you're yeah. in the role that we're in where you feel like you have a voice to say something, you're... Mm -hmm. Ultimately, opening yourself up to critic as much as you are hoping that everyone's just going to be nice and positive and be like, we understand your mission. We think it's great. You want to do good for the world. That's all yeah. you want to hear from people. It's not what you're going to hear, but you're like, 
who could criticize such a good thing? Yeah, exactly. But that self-awareness piece is the key for sure. Mm -hmm. 100%. You have to have the self-awareness. And I also was told too, when you get those thoughts that creep in, take, take a minute, step back and ask yourself, would I speak this way to my best friend? Would I speak this way to my parents? Would I speak whatever, whatever that is for you? Think about that. And obviously the answer is going to be no. So why the fuck are you doing it to yourself? Mm -hmm. But again, it takes practice. It takes, it takes a lot of inner work to get to that point. First of all, to have the self-awareness to realize what you're doing, but then to be able to stop yourself and say, okay, take a step back, Brad or Cheyenne and think about it. Think about what you just said and go through that process. Would I say that? Would I speak, would I speak that way to you, Cheyenne? No, I wouldn't. So no, why am I, I doing it to me? Did. <laughs> <laughs> I would never though. That's the thing. So it's just having the awareness, the self-awareness mm -hmm. to be able to catch yourself doing it and then stop yourself and ask yourself that question. So that's another way. I do love the Rolodex idea though. I think that's pretty cool. Oh yeah. There's so many different visualizations I use. I just, sometimes I wonder how I'm able to have friends because I have so much fun with myself in my mind. You know, we're just having a ball over here. All 50 personalities. The mind of Cheyenne. The mind of Cheyenne. Um, but today's episode is about Brad's mind. So I have some questions for this Brad and younger Brad and the Brad in between those Brads. So, obviously, this um, podcast came to you during the pandemic, which I think is a wonderful time to have an epiphany, if you ask me. A lot of crazy shit happens, so when I see people that have made businesses because of all of that, um, truly inspiring. And, I mean, your work, your work just shows it. You've published almost 500 episodes. Yeah, yes. I published my 474th episode yeah, today, congratulations. actually. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. And again, Thank it just you. started in 2020, so that's the most... But you're also a photographer, so you yes. have an, an eye for beauty and not just mm -hmm. the normal standard Instagram model beauty. I'm talking mm -hmm. about like going out and the way you see the world every day. You could be like, oh, that's a good picture. Oh, that's a good yeah. scene. Um, have you always been a photographer? Like when did the creativity really <clears throat> meld you into the person that you are today? That started back in high school. Um, I took a photography class in grade 10 and I just instantly fell in love with the arts. Um, I learned to shoot on black and white films. So we were in the dark room playing around with all those tools and having fun with that. And there's just... I think, it, first of all, the smells of the darkroom are just incredible, intoxicating, and all of that. But I think the the best part about learning photography and learning to shoot on black and white film was seeing those images. When you run, when you put the image through the enlarger with a negative, you you got the light onto the onto the piece of paper, and then you run it through those chemical baths, and just seeing the image, literally seeing the image come to life on that piece of paper, there is such an incredible magic and beauty in that. And that's that's what drew me in. From then on, that was it. Photography, I just, I fell in love. That was my first love and my first passion. And it just went from there. 
but I never, I never wanted to photograph people. I had no interest whatsoever. I didn't want to photograph things that, that talked. I didn't want any part of that. I wanted to photograph inanimate objects, things that didn't talk back to me. I could just walk around and capture images that, that caught my eye and create art out of that. So I didn't start photographing people until, oh, geez, that would have been, oh, man, 20... 16 or 2017 there around it was always architecture and landscapes and so i always had the photography bit in my life and when i decided to turn it into a part-time business because i was working full-time as an audiovisual technician at an accounting firm i would create i would just go out with my camera walk around the city and shoot one of my favorite cities to shoot in is new york city i love that city for photography it is such it's it's an endless source of mm-hmm. of art. So I used I loved going there and, and just taking my camera walk. I could get lost in the city for hours and just not even care about anything else around me. Just walk around the city and I love doing that. I love wandering around cities with my camera and just creating art. It's it's a beautiful thing. Um, so it got me into finally stepping into exhibiting my art. I had I had a huge problem sharing my art. I was very con- self-conscious about it. When I first started doing it, it was very hard for me to step into that space and start sharing my work because, of course, the imposter, well, what if people don't like it? What if I get bad comments about it? And all of these things, it's like, oh, shit, how am I going to deal with this? But I just ended up putting it out there and as I progressed in my skill set and my talents with photography, I gained the confidence to start applying to exhibit my art at art shows. And that was a huge boost for me too. And I think my favorite part about exhibiting my work in art shows is talking to the people and hearing their thoughts and input on what emotions the images evoke in them what do you see in this image i love talking to people about that's the best part of of exhibiting at art shows i love it i have never been to an art show like what you're describing i've only seen them on tv and i've wanted Mm. so badly to be one of those people that just stand in front of a picture or a painting and go oh i see this i see this and then the (laughs) next person next to me is like i see the complete opposite or Like, to me, the way that you speak about photography is how I think about when I come across a really good album, a really good song, and now I have to go and I have to find the lyrics and continue to, like, go and, oh, well, the first chorus means this to me, and you go and find what they actually wrote the song about, and it has nothing to do with the way you interpreted (laughs) it, but it means something to both of you. And I think that's probably the amazing thing about art in general. It's going to mean anything different to us. But yeah. So did you find yourself, because obviously like through the black and white process, you fell in love with the development, but after that, like you loved your own work. You were just scared that people weren't going to like it. And then were you going to battle with your own creations after that? Was it going to make you think less of what you were doing as a creator? Because again, you're talking about a supremely relatable thing. Like I create, but I don't want to share it. It's too near and dear Mm -hmm. to my heart. It wasn't a matter of it being too near and dear to my heart. I It was a matter of insecurity around what I was creating. Is it good enough? What are people going to think? But, you know, 
it took me a while to get out of that headspace and into the space of, because I was stuck when I first left into photography full-time as my business, I would say for almost the, the first two years of that period, that, that two year period, I was stuck in a competition mindset. It's like, why am I not here? All of these other photographers are at this point. And let me just step back for a minute and say that when I was talking to people about leaping into photography, like, are you crazy? There's so many photographers out there. So that competition thing was already starting mm-hmm. from listening to the loop of other people. Then you, of course, add into it my own gremlins and demons that are in my head. It's like, oh, wait a minute, maybe they're right. And then I started playing that loop. But... And it, it did, it stuck with me for the first, almost the first two years. And I was finally able to get to a point where I, I was able to turn the volume down. I had a mentor who helped me, um, but I got to the point where I realized that, you know what, my only competition is me. As long as I can look back and see that I've improved, that I'm growing, and I realized that no one else is me, no one else behave or no one else gives the service to my clients like i can no one else has the same eye as me if you give a photographer three photographers the same thing to shoot you're going to get three different images no one we don't see the thing the same so once i was able to step into that mindset then i what i started doing is looking back at my work like 10 or 15 years back and it was laughable (laughs) how could i have possibly thought this was good at that time but at that time I did because I had improved in my skill set. I think it serves us well to be able to take a step back and look back at your work, your previous work from 10 years previous, 15 years previous, because that will show you that you've improved and you can laugh about it. I was talking with someone recently about podcasting and we were talking about how, you know, it's a skill set interviewing and you know this, Shan, you improve as you, the more you do it, the more you improve. And we're talking about going back and listening to our first episodes. And I said, I've never done that before. I, and I still haven't. And I thought I should do that because I'll probably laugh my ass off at myself because I thought they were good at the time. And if I went back, I'd probably, those are fucking horrible. (laughs) Right. But it's being able to laugh at yourself and realize that you've improved. So I do that every so often with my photography work, I'll go back and look at old stuff. Like I get memories that pop up on Facebook of images that I posted from 2000 or 2001, 2002. And it's like, oh my God, that is terrible. How could I think that was good? But it's, it's all part of the learning process. So I love to do that just to give myself that reminder that, hey, you have come a long way. You have improved. And I think that's important for us to do in whatever whatever your work is, whatever field you work in. I think that's an important thing to do. It's a good reminder to show you that you have improved. You have put in the work. I think it's great. It keeps you it also I think keeps you very humble mm-hmm. too, which is good. Well, you brought up a lot of really, really good points. The first one being getting into any new business and automatically going for the competitive mindset the successful aspect of it, which, you know, I see a lot of businesses almost like need this. You need this award. You need this following. You need this person just to like get your foot in the door. And it really is. And it adds on to like the negative mindset because you spent, like you said, two years in a competitive aspect, 
while doing that, you really were honoring all of your capabilities and the fact that, uh-huh. like, your eyes specifically. So I love that you rounded the story back up with being like, I'm the fucking shit. Get out of my ear. <laughs> because as soon as you said, oh, everyone was like, there's too many photographers. I'm like, can you imagine, like, as you can when you're like, I'm going to start a podcast. Yeah. You know, especially, like, older generations that don't even listen to podcasts. They're like, what's a podcast? How do you make it? How do you even make money off of it? Like, I don't even understand yeah. this. So I went through all that same stuff when I wanted to do the podcast because all I knew is I finally wanted to host a place to tell people's stories and I also wanted a place for me to be able to tell my story. And my producer, who's still my producer to this day, worked at a radio station together and Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to start a podcast. And he's like, yes, you are. And I was like, how do you start a podcast? And he's like, he's like I'm going to help you with everything. I was like, no, seriously, how do you start a podcast? And then I pulled out, I love these. These are like the old school notebooks. I have these. Yeah. I, had, I had lists of things I wanted to talk about and topics and stories and guests. Like I had the content. I was like, how yeah. do I do it? How do I put it together? And he's like, well, when's the last time you were in front of a microphone? I said, Oh, God, like like this. Never. <laughs> I said literally job shadowing when I was 18. I did job shadowing yeah. at a radio station, and I got to go on with him randomly. I go, but other than that, not since I came back to this radio station. He's like, okay, the best thing that I can tell you is just let yourself talk at first. Don't over-critique yourself. He's like, you can mm-hmm. go do your own, like, market research, however you want to do it. He goes... But if you have something to say, he's like, just say it. He goes, you're not yeah. you're not professional in any aspect. He goes, and I think that's going to work for you. We're all yeah. a little sick of talking heads. Wouldn't you agree? And I yeah, was like, sure. yeah, I am. I'm like, and I'm, I don't want to get all dolled up and robotic to be able yeah. to share a message. I said, I really do just want to be my authentic self. I go, I just found myself and I want to report back that it's possible. And he's like, okay, let's do that. So then, like your friend suggested, he's like, you know, after we finish season one, go this. He's like, go back and listen to your older episodes. And he goes, find out what words you overuse or if you use O's and sums and, you know, ask yourself why you do that. But I have gone back and listened to my first episode. I'm scared. And Yeah, but I also, like, that is one of the flaws that I turned into a gift while I was even recording and editing, where I was like, I constantly had to remind myself, you're technically not a professional. The only way you're going to get better at this is if you continue to interview and record and do it more and more. Yeah. Then you're going to love yourself enough to go back and be like, you have the fucking balls. Yeah. everybody else in this industry who's like, you have to do this, you have to research this, you need a mentor, you need a program, you need a coach, before you can even push record. I was like, you just went and did it. So yeah, if it doesn't yeah. sound as perfect as everybody else out there doing it, like, that wasn't, that wasn't the reason you did it. You didn't go out there to be a talking head and be professional. You wanted to be yourself and show that mm-hmm. normal, everyday people can have these experiences and can still do the things that they want to do. And these are the things that I absolutely have to tell myself, even when I record to this day. I recorded yesterday, and mid-sentence as I'm speaking, I wrote down the timestamp that I would be deleting it when I edited it. I was like, this sounded good in my head. In the uh, conversation, not so much. So, you know, I think it's great. Everything needs an edit. I just find most things in my show, it's me that needs to be edited more than anything. (laughs) 
<laughs> because I'm still working like on my cadence in a bit where I'm like, like yeah. at first I interjected and talked over people and I was so excited to talk. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. This is my show. I want to talk whenever I want. <laughs> like, if you don't like it, eh, right? Yeah, yeah. I soften after about like three seasons, get my own show. I think clearly, you know, having the microphone to myself probably helped because now I don't know. Yes. I don't have to talk to like three people at once or like get somebody involved in the conversation. <laughs> so I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, now I have my own show. Can't really do this. I really, I do want it to be like more interviewy, but still conversationally. Like I want to, I want you to feel like you're listening in on a phone conversation. Yes. You know? And you're like, that's you're a great learning. descriptor. Yeah. You're learning as you're going along. You're like, Ooh, yeah. So I went and visited my friend in Oklahoma, and thank you, Spotify, for doing this, because I didn't even know this was in the algorithm. But he said, yeah, I was driving. God knows where he was in the country. He's a trucker. And he mm -hmm. said, I was listening to a random podcast. He goes, and the podcast episodes will shuffle now. He goes, and your right. podcast shuffled on my truck. Oh, He's like, I didn't think cool. you were anything. And I was like, thank you, Spotify gods. Yeah. You know, thanks for putting <laughs> me in the plug. And he goes, I haven't. I haven't listened to any of your new stuff yet. He's like, I used to listen to your old show and you had a co-host. She's like, but I was like, hell, that's my best friend. I'm gonna go ahead and give her a download. And he like sits there and <laughs> listens to it. And he calls me, he goes, I don't want to offend you when I say this, but I do want to compliment you. He goes, your interviews are getting much better. Not that you were ever bad. He's like, yeah. but I can tell that you're improving and I'm pretty sure you can tell that you're improving too. And I said, yeah, I'm really trying to figure out how to let the guests talk and let all my itty-bitty little stories just kind of stay in their place for the most part because there is going to be somewhere else down the line to share them. I'm like, Yeah, so that's an important key to remember, right? That's in podcasting as the host, your job is to highlight the guest. It's not about you. It's got nothing to do with you. And it's, you know... I just jumped in and figured that I had never done podcasts. I mean, I had my audiovisual training, my background in AV, so I knew about the gear and all that stuff, how to edit. But as far as using a microphone, I had no fucking clue. I started with a shitty little headset with a mic attached that I took from my corporate job when I left and a MacBook and a free Zoom account. And that's how I got started. Mm -hmm. And I recorded my first eight episodes. So I had a dress rehearsal. I, I actually started, really started the podcast in 2019. So I call that my dress rehearsal, where I recorded and released eight episodes, and then I had to jump back and focus all my energy on my photography business, um, because that started to pick up, and then, of course, then we hit, got hit with COVID, and that's where it really took off, but, I mean, I had no fucking clue about podcast. It was a learning process, and it, that's what it is. I think that's, honestly... If you sit there, like you were saying about, well, you got to have this and mentor and da, da 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 and learn this, this, this before you get, you'll never fucking get started. I think most of the time, depending, of course, upon what it is, you just got to fucking jump in and figure it out as you go. That's the easiest way to do it. Easiest and the hardest way to do it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the best way to do it because you'll learn so much that way. Would you consider yourself more of like a hands-on learner or book person? Would you rather have an instruction manual or someone like there going A, B, C, D? I like, when I think back to my corporate job, when I was learning editing, I would madly take notes. Like, I'm one of these, I'm old school, like you with the with the notepad. I fucking write notes like crazy. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would sit there and I'd watch my boss editing 
and I'd ask questions and I'd take notes. So I'm more of a like take notes, visual learner, mm-hmm. write my notes while I'm learning and then sit down with my notes and go through it methodically. That's how, that's how I learn best. I could agree with that as well. Usually, yeah. like problem solving was awful for me, like reading out numbers and then all of that. I was like, oh God, <laughs> wrong side of the brain, dude. Like give me some English. So I realized early on, like, even in any of the hands-on stuff, I could do it. So I already knew from a young age, I was like, I'm going to have to experience so many things just to figure out what I want to do. Like, everybody else from the looks of it in my family was like, I'm going to go do this job. And, yep, this is what I'm going to do. You know, and Mm -hmm. they they haven't moved around like a lot. If they have, it's like promotional-wise. But for the most part, I swear, at least I'm the only one telling the truth. I'm like, I have no freaking clue what I'm supposed to do because I look at everything you guys are doing, and I don't want to do any of that. I really don't. I I love that that's your path, but that's not mine. I really need to figure out what I actually want to do when you go out and look at everybody else, and you're like, what made you decide to be a banker? What made you, yeah. you know, what made you decide to like go down this path? But then and does it really light you up? Do yeah, you really does enjoy it light what you're you doing? Up, which, you know, I found out for the most part, not really, but you know, people make good money and I think that's what they do with their mind. They're like, I make good money. I can support my family and I can respect the shit out of that. For yeah. me, I have been in jobs where, um, I was really passionate at first. I really did like it. And then it's almost like I got like an intuitive ping where it's like, this is just a part of it. Like you're picking up skills as you go along. You're going to pick up skills from so many different places. And especially when I started diving down like all the studies of the metaphysics, I was like, what do I want to work with? Who do I want to work with? All of these other questions came about. And I think the fear part of trying something new is always there, fear of failure. But like for for the weird part that I was in, or I'm sure most people can find themselves in, is like people are like, oh, well, what are you doing and studying now? And I'm like, well, I don't really want to tell you this just because I don't even know if I'm going to continue to do it. I'm still just trying. It's like a new relationship. Yeah, I'm seeing somebody, but I don't want you to know his name because I don't know if I'm going to keep it. (laughs) It's the same feeling, right? When you're trying to go out and explore all of these things. Because to like, for instance, an example, if you didn't you only liked photography for six months. And then after that, you're yeah. like, it's okay, I'm going to move on. But all your yeah. friends are like, Brad, you've been talking about photography for six months. What's going on? Like, I think that's when you realize you're a super big hands-on learner because you just have to get out there and touch all the different sand pits and be like, okay, this is the one that literally sparks me every time. Yeah. But there are some things that you just start doing and it's like, yes, this is it. Like, mm-hmm. like, the, like for me, photography, as soon as I stepped into that dark room, it's like, holy shit, this is incredible. I love this. This is it. This feels incredible. And it just kept going. And, you know, and then it, if things shift as you, as you grow as a person, as you have been doing something for a while, where if I'm being completely honest right now, um, I have not picked up my camera in over two years. <laughs> yeah. Because I've been so focused on the mission and the, and the movement with the podcast, I just haven't felt the calling and opportunities have come up for me to do gigs, but it just doesn't feel, I don't feel it in my gut right now to do it. And it, 
there were there was an instance in particular where I got asked to do a gig and you know I was back and forth in my head and all of these questions and all of these things inside and back and forth with the person and it just got to a point where it's like fuck I can't do it. it's taking up too much space in my head I can't deal with this I don't mm-hmm. so it's best to just if it doesn't light you up when you think about it forget it don't do it but I have to say I do have to say as of late, I would say within the last few months, I've had this ping or this calling inside to go back to photography. It's calling me back. And so I've been giving a lot of thought to that and thinking about rebranding my whole photography business, like changing the name of my company, rebranding it so it all falls under alignment with the podcast and the mission of the podcast and all of that. So I am, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I will come back to my first love and my first passion. It's just a matter of when. I'm not sure. But it it, it is there. It's nagging. I can feel it and I can hear it in the back of my head and in my gut. So I know that I will get back to it. But these things happen and you go off on different paths. I mean, I never, I mean, really, when I think about the photography, I never in a million years thought I would be a podcast host. Hosting a podcast that empowers women or provides a space for them to help elevate them and amplify their voice. I never in a million years, never in a million years did I ever think I would be an author or a publisher, like all of these things. So you just never know where life's going to take you. But all of these things I can see now, as I look back, these are all springboards. These are all part, it's all part of my journey that have led me to here. I wouldn't be here without the photography piece of it because that started. So the photography started with the architecture, then it moved into people, then it moved into empowering women through photography, and then it led into becoming an author, a publisher, publishing books to help women share their stories, and the podcast was going at the same time. So it all got tied up in this neat little package with a bow on it, with all of these things inside that box. Mm -hmm. And I know now, well, I've known now for three years, but this is why I'm here on this planet is to do this work of helping to elevate women and amplify their voices through sharing their stories. But when you look at it, it's all tied in together because it's all storytelling. Photography is telling stories. Books, writing is telling stories. Podcasting is telling stories. So it's just, it was a natural progression. And it's just really cool when I sit here and I look back at that progression to see how it has progressed through and where I am right now it's just it's fucking incredible actually Retrospect I love it is my favorite thing to look back when I try to look ahead I get a little nervous because I'm like yeah. is that really am I seeing what I'm is that what I'm working towards okay that's what I want but then yeah. you look back you're like all that shit tied up really well together you know mm-hmm. the springboard thing that's a perfect example of that especially yeah. for me um I remember getting a certain job and swearing the only reason I was supposed to get that job wasn't even for the skill set that I got at the job. It was to meet a certain person there. Yeah. And then like, cause the partnership I have now is because a radio station that I went and worked at. And as soon as I met this guy, I was like, we're supposed to do something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what you meet is. those people, right? That you just yeah. know when you meet them, it's like, yeah. we are going to do great things together. Yeah. And that's, again, it was like a ping, a spark almost. It was like, you're my dude. Thank you so much. And again, to be able to walk into someone's office and be like, I'm going to start a podcast. He's like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, how do I start a podcast? (laughs) How do I do that? 
You know, I felt like really old school because uh, I used to be around like a lot of music and equipment and monitors and boards and all yeah. that stuff. So just being around it and the way that it is obviously not like that at all. I feel like mm -hmm. I walked out of a studio and I'm coming back like this washed up rock star that's like, all right, let's make an album. And they're like, we don't make <laughs> albums like that anymore. Like that's literally how I felt the first time I went into a studio just to do commercials. And they were 15 seconds, they were awful. Um, so it didn't matter what I talked like or did anything, but I just remember being in the studio and, and that, that friction, that fizzle, that excitingness. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like boards and chords just make me so happy. Like yeah, like being, you can feel the electricity yeah, in the being, air. Yes, I am one of the chords. I am helping amplify <laughs> this studio. Like, that's how I felt in there. And I would go to work every day, and I didn't really like the work that I was doing, but I didn't care because it was a simple enough for me to partake in all the other things that I did care about. Mm -hmm. And I would just walk around every day and be like, I don't know what I'm doing here or how long I'm supposed to be here, but I know I was sent here for a reason because things are linking back up. Like I'm, yeah. I'm feeling it and it's a beautiful feeling. But again, I'm also terrified because I'm like, where am I going? What, what's happening with all of this? It's scary shit. Absolutely. But that's the fun of it. I think is the unknown and just stepping into it and letting things unfold, trusting and allowing as they say, what um, Go ahead. I'll let you finish. No, no, go ahead. It's okay. Well, I was going to say, speaking of the unknown, the last time we when we had one of our conversations, we didn't record, which now I think we should always record ourselves. We should. Probably. <laughs> um, you were telling me about a lot of amazing opportunities that you see unfolding for yourself in the next couple mm -hmm. years down mm -hmm. the road. Not yeah. only are we talking about shamanic training somewhere down the road, but <laughs> yeah. just getting out and, you know, adding motivational speaker uh -huh. to, to your repertoire and traveling more books. Mm -hmm. I mean, Which is funny because I never, ever thought that's the last thing on earth I ever thought I'd see myself doing is speaking. I can remember having to speak at my brother's wedding. Oh my God, I was scared <laughs> shitless. Like my stomach was a mess for at least a week leading up to it. it horrible, horrible fucking nerves. So speaking, and I can even remember thinking back to school, elementary school or grade school, having to write speeches and get, I, oh, terrified. I just, mm. I could, I would play hooky because like, no, I'm sick. I can't go in today. Like you played hockey, so you didn't have to give speeches. Yeah. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. Yep. I yeah, could never I did. Get away with and that. now to be stepping into this and these opportunities, but again, it just shows the evolution, right? Mm -hmm. Podcasting and speaking, so you get more comfortable with it. And now these opportunities coming up to speak on stages about my story, about the work I'm doing, I feel incredibly grateful and blessed and lucky to be able to have these opportunities. And they're all coming in and it's like, I can't fucking believe it. Like me on a stage, what? Mm -hmm. Really? I'm going to be speaking in front of people? What the what? <laughs> what the fuck? The Is this real? syndrome kick in when you got the opportunity at first? You're like, why on earth would I go speak? Yeah, 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 
like why why is me is this first of all my first thought is this really happening is this for real or is this some kind of joke that the universe is playing on me or you know but no it's it's real and uh sometimes you just gotta embrace it and take it and run with it and do it <clears throat> the universe gives you what you're what you're ready to receive when you're ready to receive it so i'm taking it with open arms and i think the podcast has been a really good stepping stone for that because it's gotten me more comfortable with speaking mm -hmm. i'm a very introverted person i'm i as a kid i was terribly shy terribly shy and so for me to now be the host of a podcast and speaking to all these people, I love talking to people. I absolutely love it. And now stepping into the space of getting on stage and speaking in front of people. I mean, I've I've spoken virtual on virtual stages. I've never ever, aside from my brother's wedding, but it wasn't a stage. Got up on stage and spoke in front of some of people, but I'm ready for it. I'm ready to go. I'll I'll take that challenge. What the hell. You only live once, and like I said, this is being presented to me, so I have to take it. I have to grab the bull by both horns and just fucking do it. Yeah, don't let the nervous jitters kick you off the stage and be like, oh, I can't do it, I'm too nervous. I struggled with no. stage fright so bad growing up. Like, yeah. so many opportunities I said no to because it had everything connected with the stage. And it's, I wanted to, I was just debilitatingly terrified, you know? And it's the same thing as your art. It's like, what if I say something stupid? What if they don't like it? Yeah. All this stuff. And I had messed up just when singing at like a talent show when I was younger. I messed up mm -hmm. one of the lyrics. And to me, that was like the most mortifying thing you could have done was mess up the song that you're singing. <laughs> and I didn't know how to recover the song. Like, I mean, I did, but I just remember the rest of the performance. I was just completely out of think with myself because of it and though like those moments would amplify in my head every time before I went and got on stage again it's like you're gonna forget the lyric this sounds not gonna be good <laughs> I All had someone tell me that happen. I had someone tell me that because we were talking about I was talking I've spoken with a few people about speaking and talking on stage and stuff and a few people have told me that they, the people in the audience don't know what your talk sounds like. So if you fuck up, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Who cares? And let's be honest, I've learned this through podcasting. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. If you fumble over your words, oh, well, who cares? Like I said, you go back to that thought of, well, they don't know what my talk is supposed to sound like. They don't know exactly how it's supposed to go. So, oh, well, just continue. Keep going. So how did you, how did you get over that destabilizing fear? So, this rounds into our shamanic talk. Um, yeah. We're going to switch over to the metaphysical side of Brad's episode now. <laughs> okay, friends? Um, so, honestly... Uh, how do I begin it? So, I told you I had a spiritual awakening, right? Whole yeah. crazy mess of wondrous, beautiful energies, feelings, blissful states, all of this stuff. The thing I want people to understand, if they haven't had a spiritual awakening, I really try to explain it the best I can, but it's still really hard to explain it. It's like doing a shrooms yeah. trip and then trying to explain shrooms to people. That's yeah. the best way I could say it, you know? But I'm not like, go do shrooms, that's what awakening feels like. Um, <laughs> but when I had the awakening, it was, there was like a bird's eye dial that I got to see on everything. Like, I would say mm -hmm. it's kind of like my higher self came in to like, 
opened my eye more. That's probably yeah. the best way I could say it. And with um, that state of bliss, you're like granted, for me, I was granted a window of compassion to look at myself, not from a derogatory standpoint, or I didn't do what I was supposed to be doing. I did the wrong thing. I took the wrong path. Like all of these things that I think people think about when they get to a certain point of their life and they're like, how did I get here? Why did I stop myself? Because I'd always been questioning what held me back. Was I actually supposed to take that path? You know, and if I loved it so much, why was I like so scared of it? So I remember doing what they call shadow work and I had to, I just wrote down all of the opportunities that I had actually walked away from because Uh I was scared of. And I was actually mortified at all of the opportunities that I walked away from. But at the same time, I also think my discernment at the time, because there was still something that didn't feel right. It wasn't just the fear of it. Um, yeah. So like I said, I started working at the radio station a couple years after that. I was still doing my own work on myself. I was, I could speak clear. I was thinking clear. Like things were just coming up and I had realized a lot of the same dreams that I had had as a kid were now resurfacing and they were manifesting in my life as in... Like I wanted to do broadcasting when I was younger, but I had some things come up with college where I didn't get to go to the college that had the broadcasting program. Right. And so like when you're a kid, you're like, okay, well, I lost my shot. Better luck next life, you know? So then Mm -hmm. wrap around however many years later, and now I'm at a radio station all over again, and my my fingers are like tingling, and I'm excited to be around all this (laughs) stuff again. And I'm not like, oh, I, you know, I want to go hop on a radio show right now. I'm like, I just love being around this. This makes me happy. And I had, like you, like when you're doing a corporate job, it really does suck your life force energy when you're not in alignment with the things that you're doing. Um, Again, you have to work those jobs to provide for your family. I'm not telling everybody Mm -hmm. to go quit their jobs. It's just known. You're just like, why don't I have any energy? Because I'm out of alignment with my mind, body, and soul. So I had come into a temporary alignment with those where I was conversating with multiple parts of myself. And when I had finally realized that I wanted to speak on our show, the main motivation, like you, like your motivation isn't, I want to be Brad from Empowerography Podcast and then just plug people in. Like I literally wanted to elevate other people's stories that I had heard over time because there's so much to learn from everybody. I was so passionate about sharing all of these people that I had met that I realized just like in a promotion in a corporate world, if I wanted to do that job, I had to step into the role that I always knew I wanted to do. So by this time I had already went through the affirmation work. I'm reparenting myself in my head. I am becoming the voice in my head and not everybody else, which was a really Mm -hmm. big breakthrough for me. For sure. That's huge. I still talk to myself like, yeah. You know, like I, I'm my own dog. Get over here. Sit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I have to do that because it gets a little wild in there. Yeah. And, you know, I had to have a couple like meditation talks with myself. I had to cry. And I was like, I can't believe I, I can't believe I'm still sitting here with this debil- debilitating fear. And I'm actually thinking about still walking away from the things that make me happy and not like, oh, you've missed your chance. You can't do it anymore. Blah, 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 blah. So I had looked at like the last probably like decade of my life and looked at all the opportunities that I passed over for whatever reason. I have no idea where those opportunities could have led, the people I could have met, all the things I could have done. I have no idea because I took the path that I know I took. But I do remember how I felt and I feel now 
not taking those opportunities, even having no idea where they went. And mm -hmm. I don't necessarily say that like I live with regret because I love where I am now and everything that's developing, but you're always going to have that curiosity of, oh, well, what if I would have done that show? What I wonder I if, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if, I wonder if, I wonder if. And I think we all have those in our lives, but yeah. my wonder ifs just happened to cycle back around where I felt like I was getting a second chance to do the work that I'd always loved to do. And mm -hmm. I was actually going to show up as myself and as my authentic self. So the stronger that I talked to myself and like I reminded myself of who I am and who I always wanted to be, that was... I mean, that was probably what broke the fear because the fear is not like gone. Like if somebody asked me to do a TED talk tomorrow, I would hyperventilate and say yes. You know, like I will do both. still there, yeah. Yeah, I will do yeah. both. But like right before I was getting ready to record, I had all my stuff set up. You were like, it was like two minutes before you got on. And I was, I was sitting here with my coffee and I was like, in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to talk to Brad, and I know how to talk to Brad. So then out loud, I was like, why do I always get nervous right before I'm getting ready to record? <laughs> it's I'm in my house. I'm, I'm comfortable. Like, why am I doing this? And my husband pops around the corner, and he goes, it means you're excited and you're passionate about it. Like, the nerves are good. There it you shows go. that, like, it's what I, you want to do. And I was like... You just popped up like a little fairy godmother around the corner. <laughs> I didn't even know it was yeah. in there when I said it. And I was like, but it reminded mm -hmm. me of, that's how I used to feel when I had stage fright, those jitters right before. Mm -hmm. And the inner critic would come in and smash me and any confidence I had was gone. I was like, I'm fucked, I'm fucked, I'm fucked. <laughs> oh my God, you know? And then now I'm like, those, those same jitters that stop me, I do not want them to stop me ever again in my life. You're allowed to come up and save me from danger. You know, use the system yeah. properly is what I would say. But I don't yeah. want to come up on any opportunity, especially when it's connected to the podcast or sending a positive message out to humanity. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm not able to speak right now because I have stage fright and I'm terrified. I'll actually grab the mic and make a joke about how I'm supremely introverted and have stage fright. My favorite word is fuck. So if you don't like it, this is going to be really awkward for you. I love that. This is my time, you know, and I'll kind of like flip it on him. Kind of yeah. like how you're like, I love, I love that your husband said that though. I think he, he's spot on because every time before I had a shoot, I would be nervous as shit. Like, and I'm like, this is what I do though. This is my yeah. gig. But, then I started to remind myself in conversations with friends. It's like, yeah, but it's good to have those nerves because it, first of all, it keeps you grounded. You don't yeah. get overinflated in your head. Mm -hmm. And second of all, it just, it helps you. It shows, like your husband said, you're excited. You're passionate about this. If you go into something and there's no nerves whatsoever and just like, yeah, okay, let's do it. That's, you know, is that really what you're meant to be doing then? You should be nervous about it a little bit. Not, I mean, there's different varying degrees of the nerves, yeah. but I think it's good to have a little bit of that. Most importantly, to keep you grounded, I think. So you don't get too big for your britches. You don't get too cocky and overconfident because then when you're overconfident, you fuck up and it's not good. So I love that he said that. I love that. I think it's brilliant. Well, the way that he came out, it was so good because I was like, oh, you're right. It was like so many downloads at one time because I was like, this is how I used to feel when I would run away from like certain opportunities. 
And I uh, told you the story about how my friend like threw me on stage at her event. Yes. And yes. Still to this day, I'm like, everybody clapped afterwards, and I got hugs, and I made people cry. So I guess it was good. But like, do I yeah. verbatim know what I said? No. No. No, I don't. I just know that I went up there and I rocked that shit because I was made for the stage. There and then you when go. I got up, she's and like, that's the key. You were made for it, and I was like uh-huh you know like i'm like why does it you know you see all these other like people on stage and they're just walking off they're like so i'm like i don't know if i'll ever be able to feel that way i think i want to be like the the misfit on stage it's like you can do it too <laughs> they bring a dolly yeah. up to really walk yeah like, like this is my support fuck. animal or something yeah because yeah. yeah when i get up there again it's like I'm just the vessel. I'm just the messenger. And I think that yeah. is the most humbling thing, whether like I'm here doing an episode or I go and I speak somewhere else, you know, I'm like, mm. just step me out of the way for a minute and you can use me for whatever good that you want. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally fine. If you could add some sarcasm on it so they know it's me, I would appreciate it. But other than that, like whatever I'm supposed <laughs> to say, I'm supposed to say. Um, and I that, love that. That tends to help, but I also know that, like you, I don't define like my age by oh I can't do that anymore. I'm too old. And I think that mm. I was really like gifted that from the way that you know we were taught to grow up. Like you do this by a certain age, this by a certain age, yeah. this by a certain age. You know. And I'm sitting yeah. here right now at the age of 32, and I've studied more in the last four years than I ever did like my whole life in any academic anything. And I thoroughly enjoy it. I love learning. I love going out and experiencing life more than I ever have. And but you know why though? It's because you're you're learning about shit that you're interested in. Exactly. That's why. Yes, but I'm excited that I'm I'm not like oh it's too late for me because there's so yeah. many people that they really do have that mentality where it's like oh I'd love to do that but it's too late for me. Or the number one thing I heard was. You know, make sure you do everything before you have kids, because after you have kids, you know, it's really all about them. And I was raised by parents who, it really was all about us. I mean, they still did their stuff, but they worked their fucking asses off for us. Like, our parents sacrificed, and I know that. Yeah. But it also took such an emotional toll on them that we also mm -hmm. noticed that that, like that was missing some days. It's not like they were mean or anything, but you know what it's like to be emotionally available and I'm just kind of doing my part today. Um, yeah. So looking back, you can definitely see that. So when I have my daughter, I remember I was actually gonna go rent a van and do like a tie-dye tour on a bunch of festivals because yeah. I had just like done that. I was gonna grab the loan up that I needed for all the booth fees, like all this crazy shit happened. I had it written down on my notebook. <laughs> Yeah. It was sealed. You know, I was going to start. Yeah. Two days later, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter because I just, I was like, I'm just going to go to the doctor to get a checkup and make sure I'm healthy enough to go live in a van. Yeah. And I went to the doctor and he told me I was pregnant. And <laughs> I shit. said, You got to be fucking kidding me. I'm getting ready to go live in a van. And he was what like, What the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? And then he said, Yeah, if you ever want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. Can I, can I do anything else for you? And I was like, give me a new doctor. You know, I, I, I didn't really like, I'm pretty sure his name is Brad too. So, so I came home and I was like, oh my gosh. Like I thought, you know, I was going to go do this and now I'm going to have a daughter. And I remember like sitting there because now I know she's inside of me. And I'm like, I don't want to be one of those moms that gives up 
everything that they ever wanted to do or wanted to be or wanted to learn because they have to over-sacrifice for their kid. I think it's right. admirable, but you're not supposed to be a martyr when it comes to being no. a parent. And then I started thinking about all the thoughts I had about my mom when I was a kid because my mom worked so hard to provide for us. And uh -huh. the older I got, I was like, well, what do you want to be? And she was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, you know, before you had us, like, what were your, what were your dreams? What were your aspirations? And she told me what they were. I hate that I don't remember them now. Um, <laughs> because, like, again, like, your mom, like, does everything for you growing up. Ours was. She was yeah. always there no matter what. We didn't give yeah. her the benefit of the doubt that she wanted to do anything but be our mother. Right. That's how good of right. a mother she was. She plugged herself yeah. into a wall at night, and then as soon as we woke up, she's like, yes, what do you need? Like, Let's go. you know, that's how on point my mom was with everything. Financially, food, everything. She did everything perfect. And then the older I get, I'm getting ready to be a mom. And I'm like, I want my daughter. I don't ever want my daughter to have that thought. I don't ever want my daughter to go, oh, well, my mom couldn't have been emotionally available for me because she was literally trying to support us. I don't uh -huh. want to ask my mom, hey, mom, what did you want to be before I came along? Because I don't ever want her to think oh, well, if I hadn't have been born, then my mom could have actually had her dream. I could have had my dreams, yeah. Yeah, I could have had my yeah. dream. I'm like, you are my dream, for sure. Like, you are a killer. Don't ever worry. But I know as much as I paid attention to my parents, she's going to pay attention to me ten times more. Like, she already does. She wants to do everything. So, like, this portion of living my dream is still completely amplified by my daughter. Yeah. Because I'm just like, I could just go work like a nine to five. You know, I really mm -hmm. could. I could do whatever could. I could to go do whatever we need to do to pay for you. And that'll just be it. Like, I'm not going to dream. You're my dream. Right. But I'd be yeah. lying to her. And I don't want to lie to her. There's so many amazing it's... opportunities in the world. Like, you yeah. can create your own business. You yeah. shouldn't just have to give up on yourself because you want to have a family. It's funny that we're talking about this because I had a conversation at the beginning of this week with a friend of mine. She asked me if I would do a, um, like a podcast type thing with her about empty nesting and all of that because I guess a lot of conversations have come up in her world and we were talking about it and we talked about the fact of exactly this. It's like so many, and I'm going to say mothers because that's typically what mothers do live for their children like that they are their life mm -hmm. they are their life for those years and then when it comes to the point where they're leaving home it's like oh fuck what am i going to do i've been a mom all i know is being a mom to little johnny and now he's gone and i've got to figure out what the fuck i'm going to do and i said to my we were telling that and i said to my friend but this is the problem is that parents shouldn't live that way I'm not saying don't care for your kids and don't, of course you do. That's your job as a parent, but don't let your kids be the be all and end all of your life. Mm -hmm. You still have to live your life too. You are an individual. Don't get wrapped up in your child's identity so much that you don't even know who the fuck you are. You get lost. Which and then because a lot. undoubtedly what's going to happen is when they do leave the nest, you're left with this thing like, fuck who the fuck am i yeah i've only ever been johnny's mom mm -hmm. now he's gone who, who am i what the fuck am i going to do figure that out through the journey don't put your life on hold because of your children's lives like i said i am in no way saying don't look after your kids don't provide for your kids 
no, not at all. But don't forget about you and who you are because it is going to get to the point where your kids are going to leave the house Mm -hmm. and then you're going to be left with this huge hole in your life. It's like, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. I don't even know who the fuck I am. Or at least, like, putting it off. Like, I understand there's things that I want to do that I have to put off until Monroe's older. So I'm like, okay, that's that's in my 40s. Great. I will not yeah. do that till my 40s. Doesn't mean I can't do it. My favorite thing I always say when something like that comes up is like, God's delays aren't God's denials. You know? There you go. You know, in, yeah. insert God for whatever it means to you. Yeah. Um, so I've had things that have come up and I'm like, oh my God, I would love, I'm so passionate now about it. But then I look at my daughter, I'm like, she's three. I'm not going to stay away from my daughter for six months. She's three. That's yeah. That's six months out of the 18 that we technically legally get to be together where I could be like, you're legally mine. Because I always, <laughs> joke, I always joke about that on our hard days. I'm like, well, <laughs> how many years do we have left together? <laughs> you know? And I, yeah, I'm very open about like my struggles with parenting um, because I have, I have like career mom friends and I have like single friends that don't have kids at all. So I'm, yeah. I'm in between where they both inspire me. Like my single friends that are out there building their businesses, doing their lives, they inspire me to take care of myself and let loose a little bit and have fun and prioritize mm-hmm. myself. And then like the career mom aspect where I'm like, how do you, cause I only have one kid. She acts like she's two, but there's just one of them. I was like, how do you juggle the husband, the kid, the house, the family, the, this, the, that, like you're so put together. I would go insane if I were you. How do I do it? You know, and I really ask those tough questions to the people in my circle because we're all struggling Uh, with some aspect of it, right? Whether you want to admit it or not. But yeah, yeah, not my, Monroe is not my whole identity. But if you ask me like on a day-to-day basis, like how's your life going? I'm like, I'm in the middle of potty training. Like how (laughs) shitty do you think my life really is right now? (laughs) It's what it's a percent of everything that's going on in my life. Cause on top of that, I aced my yoga quiz yesterday. I have two yoga classes tonight. And you know, like what I'm trying to say here is don't put these things off. Don't go, oh, I'm gonna lose the weight after she graduates college. Oh, when they move out, then I'm gonna do this, then I'm gonna do this. Yeah. Now you have a, a laundry list of dreams that you're not even gonna be like excited enough to do. And even though you're but, the empty uh, nester, still. But also, you're not promised tomorrow. You don't fucking know. That's true. You know, you hear all these people always talking about, oh, I'll, you know, I'll travel when I retire. I'll do this when I retire. You don't fucking promise that you're going to be here. So why the fuck? Why can't you have it now? You can do both. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing that I found through interviewing all the women that I've interviewed is that women are conditioned to believe that they cannot have everything. Right? And not just so- and, by society, society, men, and even other women. Yeah. The other women is the one that hurts the most. I don't think women actually realize that because we're too busy acting like we don't care what you say. But when another woman criticizes another woman about, well, you can't be a mom and have a career too. You know, something's going to slip through the cracks. And it could just be her projecting because she doesn't yeah. have it. But there's right. nothing that hurts worse than a woman digging at another woman like that because you're like, we're the same. We're sister. We're sisters. Yeah. Why yeah. did you do that? Why did you do me like that, Janet? And that's something that boggled my mind in corporate is seeing women tear each other down and not support yeah. each other. But when I really took a step back and looked at it, it's like, well, you know what? I can kind of see why because in the corporate world specifically, there are so few opportunities for women. 
they're not given the opportunities to step into. So because male dominated industries and so forth, the women had to compete for those positions. So how are they going to support each other when they're both competing for the same position? Can you do both? Sure. I, I imagine you can, but that I would say that that would be part of the reason why women were, were are catty with each other in that world. I have to say too, though, since I've left that world and stepped into entrepreneurship, I see a 180 and it's with, at least in my community, all the women are supporting each other and cheerleading each other. I don't see any of that catty bullshit at all. Mm. It's all about love and support and celebration and lifting each other up, which I think is beautiful. And I really think that that's why we're all here. Yeah, that is amazing. Cause I did not have that experience when I first went into corporate. And I remember being very, I think a guy called me a fawn in the forest. What the fuck? And he, he thought he was complimenting me, but just apparently how nice and doe-eyed that I was with my job and the way that I wanted to be with people. He's like, honey, you're just kind of a fawn in the forest right now. And I was like, okay. You know, and I was, I was very eager to do my job and I was very happy, especially getting into management, like a little greenhorn, yeah. you want to do everything right. And I remember being intimidated by the women immediately because I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I mean, I guess if I'm just nice to them and listen to their instructions, they won't be a big bag of bitches to me. A um, <laughs> big bag of bitches. Yeah, that's a lie. What I find most catty is they'll be super nice to your face. Where, oh my God, like, yeah. if you need anything, please just let us know. We know what it's like to be the new girl. So, like, yeah, let us know. And then mm -hmm. they walk away and they're not nice behind your back. And you're like, okay, let me retrace my steps. I was nice to you. I was authentic. I just needed yeah. your help. I'm new here. Like, I didn't set them on fire. No, nothing. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, but that, that's like a continuous competitive edge thing where it's like, I must push this other female down for all of these other reasons. But the yeah. field that I worked in, again, it was male dominated too. The girls that I really saw really fitting in with the higher ups were, they were either like a Barbie doll that was like, ah, you're so funny, like pairing, yeah. or they were overly masculated. And I think the men were terrified of the woman. They were like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, don't fuck with her. She'll literally, like, rip you to pieces. And they knew it. Yeah, she'll so, set me on fire. <laughs> yeah, so it's either I'm sexually attracted to this woman and she panders my masculinity, or mm. I'm actually scared of this woman and I actually think that she will kill me. And yeah. I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be a Victoria's Secret model so I can get a job or promotion or have somebody like me. If you can only yeah. like me because you're sexually attracted to me, that is an issue that I think you need to address with yourself, right? Yes, but then for coming sure. over here, I had to go into the masculine aspect of it because people would like think you are weak or try to take advantage of you, whether it was employees you worked with, uh, other managers you worked with, or the guests that you had to work with. So I really yeah. feel feel for women in any trying to get promoted, whether it's the women, whether it's the men, or it's the way that you have to figure out how to, what new personality you have to be to get promoted. You know, because mm -hmm. it, it's basically like a political campaign half the time if you want to get promoted. It's like you have to be the most liked. Pe the people that you're managing have to like you, which never made sense to me when I first got yeah. into it. Just there's so many itty bitty little things, which again is why I think what you're doing is super important to give women specifically that platform to be like, here's a place where we can all 
support each other. There's yeah. there's none of this. Like everything that you're doing, you're supposed to be doing. You're not supposed mm -hmm. to be doing what Cheryl's supposed to be doing. You know, no. you can go talk to Cheryl and ask her questions, but you know, stick on your goal. And I think, yeah. I think it can only be successful just because of the authenticity in it. And just, it's such a great collective movement. It really is. That's what it's about. It's just being who you authentically are. Just show up as you. And when you do that, you will like attracts like, as they say, right? So you'll bring in others who are of like mind. And that's how communities get built. And, you know, we can't do any of this by ourselves. We can't. You cannot do life alone. You cannot do entrepreneurship. It's not possible. But we've been led to believe in condition that, yes, you're supposed to be siloed and do this. You can do it all on your own. And asking for help is a sign of weakness. No, it's a fucking sign of strength, actually. Not asking for help is a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. So when you show up as who you authentically are, you're going to attract those people who have like mind and you all support each other, it all comes together, and you all raise the vibration of the collective, which is why we're all here. Let's fucking make a better world together. Yes. That's how we're gonna do it. You can't do it by yourself, so let's bring in all the people who are of like mind, and let's raise the vibration of the collective. Let's make this world a better place, and we're gonna do it together. United, we are so much stronger. Our voices are so much louder, mm -hmm. so let's fucking do it. My favorite part about your project truly is that you are a guy at the helm of it and you are so trusted with the information that's given to you but everybody that i've seen you interact with or i've talked to that knows you um it's like how safe they actually feel with you whether it's sharing hey i had a bad day i'm you know stuck in my business somehow imposter uh -huh. syndrome came up um you're yeah. always like right there to be like this kick-ass cheerleader it's just like fuck that man get that fucking thought out of your head okay like, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna go this other route and yeah. i again i don't think there's enough that i know right now enough like men led that understand like masculine and feminine need to be balanced and support each other it isn't you know feminists rising over and heckling on men and men coming down no. and women like there really is a we arise spiritually and the balance coming back yeah. together. And I think work like this only puts that balance more and more into the earth. Absolutely. And it's necessary. I think now is the time for it. And I mean, women have had to deal with the men over, and now we're seeing the pendulum swing the other way where it's like, women are like, oh, what do I need men for? What, you know, like, no, how about we just honestly, let's leave the masculine and feminine when we're talking about, all of this out of it and how about we just come together as human beings mm. and unite and lift the vibration of the collective and again not to say that we're not going to acknowledge what women have had to deal with because of the patriarchy because of men all the bullshit but if we if we keep going back to it we're going to stay stuck there we're not going to move forward Absolutely. so how about we just unite as human beings we all have masculine and feminine within this. There's no denying it. It is what it is. It's mm -hmm. biology. It's science. That's that's it. But let's just look at it as we are humans and we can work together. More men need to step up and, and let women know that, hey, we're here. We I'm your ally. I see you. I hear you. Let's just fucking do this together. Let's rise together because we will be able to get so much more accomplished in this world if we do that. Period. That's it. Amazing. This episode has been so amazing.
You're amazing, Shy. I just, I love talking to you. We could keep talking. We're not going we could. to. Cause we'll <laughs> we could go all afternoon. Forever. But I, I just really enjoy my talks with you and all of the amazing advice that you give. I, Thank you. I'm just here for it. I'm here for all of the future endeavors, the books and the speaking. I can't wait to hear all about it. And you know I'm here for you <sighs> to support you too. So. I know and I appreciate that. We're a great team. We are. Go team! That's a terrible team. Team CB. Team CB. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, speaking of which, you also um, you won the F word contest. Ah yes. Yes. So I'll be sending you your trophy. Uh, <laughs> it's a big F. It's a big F. It's so big. I'm I'm gonna make sure it just looks ridiculous in your office. Awesome. So. <laughs> I yes, love we'll, it. we'll have an annual contest. This has been so much fun, Shy. I appreciate <laughs> you. I appreciate all the the beautiful light you put out into the world through the work you do, and just the beautiful human that you are. I am so so grateful to be connected to you and to be able to call you a friend and i know that i can just say hey shy i want to hop on let's hop on a call let's chat and you're there and i love that and oh, it, that, it means the world to me because we get along so day. well we click so well and i enjoy our conversation so thank you so much for this opportunity it means I the world to me it. you come back on anytime you just <laughs> you let me know i'll hit the button i'll pick a track for you and we will just make some magic I love it. And hey, when love you do it. come back on, let's uh, let's talk more about a shamanic experience that you're going to have yes. down the road. That'll be our cliffhanger. Yes. Brad right. getting into good. his spirituality for his catch-up episode. And hopefully by then you have your TED Talk done and we can plug that as well. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thank you again. Um, I don't know if you'll be able to hear this music until the episode comes out. So I do want you to know that I have picked a song called You're Fine by nightcap um i think right. you'll like it but like i said you have to wait until but right now for my friends that are listening vitality exposed is going to bring you your fine by nightcap go ahead and check it on the on the playlist and i will see you on the next episode